This episode of Killer Mediums has been brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is my podcast recording station of choice. Not only does it make it easy for me to reach out to guests and to coordinate interviews without a bunch of create account prompts, but it also has a bunch of cool production tools for the back end of recordings, including a filler word removal feature that automatically removes all the ums and the ahs that plague my interviews. It saved me so much time on the editing floor. Uh, Want to get started? Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code KILLERMEDIUMS with no space. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It is time to share your story. Foreigners tied bells to everybody in the morgue. So if they heard a ting, they knew somebody down there wasn't quite ready to go. Hey listeners, this is William Sterling, horror author and host of this podcast, Killer Mediums. As a warning, this is a very spoiler-heavy podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the Final Destination series in its entirety. One, two, three, one again, and then five. Who knows? They did something weird. Uh, but if you haven't seen those movies and you would like to watch them spoiler-free, go and watch them. Um, we we will wait. The, the podcast isn't going anywhere. But all of that said, all of that out of the way, here we go. Let's get spooky. I am super excited for this episode because we have one of my favorite people on as a guest, my sister. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard me bring her up at least 10,000 times. She's the one that's terrified of space. She is the nurse that I've jokingly referred to as like, yeah, she could probably check that for us. Um, She's here. She's checking that for us. So let's do this thing. Caroline, how the hell are you? I'm good. I... I'm a little starstruck to be on. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. We always talk about stuff, but it's funny that somebody else is actually going to listen to it now. <laughs> right. I'm so used to these conversations starting up with us around like Christmas or Thanksgiving and the entire rest of the family just like rolling their eyes and walking away. Like, God, they're talking about gruesome stuff again. Like, Mom, yep. especially. Mom hates this. She's very sensitive to the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know how she made the two of us. We got we got messed up somewhere along the lines. Yeah. Um, who am I going to blame for that? Dad. I'll find somebody to blame for that. It's not even his fault, though. Like he, You don't think so? No, he is terrifying, but he doesn't like terrifying stuff. So, like, he didn't pass that off on us or anything. Like, I don't even know. But, yeah. Anyhow, I am sure we are going to go off on 10,000 different random tangents like that. This episode, Probably. But... Um, let, let's try to keep it contained here at the beginning. Why are you on this episode? So I, I kind of led into it a little bit with you're a nurse. You can fact check some stuff for us. But what is your background? Why why did I think to bring you on as an expert in death? <laughs> um, so I am a nurse. I work in the ER. Um, I work at trauma centers, and which is the core of what we're talking about today, all the trauma in these movies. Um, but yeah, so I've been a nurse for three years now and I've gotten to see some pretty cool, gruesome stuff. And I, for the most part, understand how these things work. Um, 
So yeah, so we're going to talk about the deaths and what's real and what's fake and what is realistic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for for the most part, trauma trauma is my love. I love trauma. It's the good stuff. <laughs> so messed up perfect though perfect great <laughs> yes um yeah what's realistic what's not realistic like so much of this is not realistic no uh, i want to kind of break our conversation up into two parts though so listeners uh just kind of giving you a roadmap of where we're going here um i want to start with just real life trauma stories if we've got you on here um let's go ahead and dive into just like real extreme grotesque horror i know a lot of authors listen to the show um i think creatives and other realms are starting to listen to the show a little bit so maybe somebody's looking for some sort of a like good kill fodder to work into their next book or whatever and i know just from talking to you at thanksgiving christmas whatever you've got some crazy ass emergency room stories so starting with you for the first half of this episode and then we'll get to final destination in the second half of the episode for your money, what are your three most insane emergency trauma room stories? Oh, God. And I've got one in the tank that I'm going to throw at you if you don't bring it up yourself. I'm curious to know which one you're thinking of. <laughs> um, you know, of course, with HIPAA and everything, you can't get too into detail. But trauma-related stuff, the bet. The best ones are not when people die. It's when people, because obviously that's the whole goal of what we do is to try to prevent that from happening. Um, so it's it's really exhilarating when people come in with something traumatic that happened, but you're able to save them and they stick around and they get to live to tell the tale. Um, yeah. But also it's hard too. I always feel so messed up when people are like, oh, I could never, I could never do emergency stuff. That sounds awful. And I'm like, well, it, it is awful, but these things are going to happen to people regardless. There's never not going to be a need for emergency rooms everywhere in the world. Yeah. So if it's going to happen anyway, I would at least like to be a part of it and get to do something good and try to make it not as terrible for these people. Um, but uh, man, I don't know. We get, I've seen a lot of good, either full amputations of limbs or like partial amputations or mangled situations. There was, um, at one point I worked at a hospital that was by a lake and we would see boating accidents which okay. cover a whole plethora of things, but we would see an amputation of a leg at one point that was the foot was brought in with the person and the person oh, no. kept looking down at their foot, not attached to their body and would say, is that my foot? And we were like, yes, oh. that is your foot. I saw somebody who got their arm stuck in a hay baler one time, which I... Don't really know what a hay baler is, but I'm under the impression that it is a lot of moving parts that kind of gears that me, things up. <laughs> let, let me let me ask you some questions here then. So with the hay baler, when the person lost their arm for that, 
what happened to the arm in the hay baler that got you all as a trauma staff to the point that it's like, this just has to go? Like, what what was the damage, I guess? When, when you look at – so with amputations, they can either be really clean first, you know, something – I saw somebody that um, had taken a saw to a part of their body and had amputated, and that was a pretty – clean, you know, cut, I would say. So there are some that are pretty straightforward. It's just one one mark of impact and then the that body part is severed. But with something like a hay baler, when you see a part of a body and it no longer looks like a part of a body, it looks like meat and bone and maybe some skin in there. And fatty tissue is really interesting to look at when it's not inside of the body, too. Um, what does fatty you, tissue do? Fatty tissue is just like, you know, the fat on your body. Well, no, no. What does it do once it's out of the body that, that looks... It's just very... Different. It's like yellow. And it's kind of... I really hope that your listeners are not too horrified by this. But it's it's yellow and like squishy obviously it's fat but it's just these little lumps and bumps it almost looks like little tiny fish eggs or something i don't know weird it's very weird but those are the details we're looking for here those are yes disgust us it's (laughs) Um, just the things it all makes sense when you look at a person you don't realize i mean in your head you know that they have bones and fat tissue and muscle and organs and skin and everything. But when it's all been mixed up somehow and it doesn't make sense anymore, but you're looking at it and you're like, these are all the same things that I have in my arm or in my leg, but that doesn't look like it should belong to a person. Right. And that's kind of the trick because it it no longer does belong to that person because it's about to be removed from their body and they're not going to get it back. Would that be an option in a trauma room if you like had your arm amputated and you were like, I miss that arm. I would like to bring it home with me just in case. Man. Can you I give people know. parts of their bodies back? I know that you can request. Oh, this is something really interesting. So there was somebody, there was a patient who had um, with diabetes, people can lose their toes from that. If their blood sugar is not well managed and things like that, it can cause blood flow issues and everything. So if you are going to have a part of your body removed, I knew a patient who was having his toe removed because it was dead, but it was still attached to his body. So they were going in to take it off and he said that he wanted it back. So I guess I don't, I'm sure there's paperwork. I don't know how that works, but he requested it back and he buried it He had a family plot. He knew where he was going to be buried. He buried his toe at the family plot. And when he died, he was going to be buried with his toe. With his toe. Yes. Yes. See, this is the, these are the Christmas Easter conversations. Here we are. (laughs) We made it. Um, What the hell? I don't know. Um, Okay. I'm going to jump us ahead to the one I was thinking of. Um, because it, it kind of hits in the same ballpark as, um, bury his own toe guy. I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the ending here. Uh, but let me see if I can get you to this story without actually saying it. Uh, there was a guy that wore his hat for a very long time. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. So tell us the story of Hat Guy. Oh, no. Hat Guy. Man, I don't think about him often, but he oh, he was a very nice man. He was elderly. His wife was very ill. I don't remember. She might have... I don't remember. She had some chronic illness and it was nearing the time when she was going to pass away. Um, And he came in for something. I think the paramedics had been called to the house for the wife. And while they were there, they were talking to the man and he was having, I don't know, chest pains or something like that. I don't really remember. Anyway, so they brought him into the ER and he came in and we walk into the room and we're like, oh God, what is that smell? And he looked, you know, decently kept. So there are lots of smells in the ER. That's my least favorite part of the whole thing. The smells. Terrible. But he he didn't look like he would smell the way he smelled or that he would fill the room with the stench that there was. So we're like, oh, man. So part of being in the ER, if, if you're a trauma patient or if you are a critical patient or something, which I think he was a critical patient, then basically you're losing all your clothes. If we can take them off of you safely, then that's fine. For the most part, like trauma patients, they're going to get their clothes cut off anyway, probably because they're most likely covered in blood. They're torn up anyway. Whatever happened to cause this trauma is probably destroying their clothes anyway. So um, so anyway, they have to be completely naked so we can do a full assessment of everything. And this man, so we had taken his clothes off, but he had this hat on and we're like, okay, like we'll take your hat off. And he goes, no, don't take my hat off. And we're like, oh, it's okay. Like you, you can keep it. We're going to put all your belongings in a bag and you can keep them all. We just, you know, need to do an assessment. He said, no, I'd really like to wear the hat. And we're like, um, okay. It's really important. You know, and he, I think was going to go to the OR, like he needed to have a procedure done. So we're like, well, you know, you can't wear it while you're in surgery. And finally he let us take the hat off and his entire scalp was missing and eaten through and there were maggots in his head it was terrible and his family because he had family around not just his wife he had kids and grandkids i think and they said yeah i mean he would always wear the hat and we could tell there was a smell but you know we didn't realize what was going on and essentially yeah something had happened up there i don't know if it was like cancerous lesions can cause that too, like untreated cancer. It happens a lot with women who have breast cancer. They can have like, if it goes undiagnosed and untreated for a long, long, long time, then it basically starts to eat away at the skin and everything. And you get these open wounds and they smell horrendous. And that's, I don't know if it was cancer with this man or if it was just a wound to start with, but something had happened and it ate away his entire scalp. Like we were looking and we could see the bone at some parts we could see his skull and he was living he was talking normal he was taking care of his wife just amazing amazingly terrible yeah no that that is one of the most horrific images you have ever put in my head um (laughs) and i love it so much as just like this utterly disgusting like that is a horror novel in itself right there just this like decay being hidden by one piece of clothing and just like walking around mm-hmm. and like so he didn't feel any pain with that at all he just like had his scalp dying on his head and was just like this is fine 
I don't know if he did feel pain or not. I'm sure at that point it was so damaged that I'm sure he wasn't feeling overwhelming pain from it, but I'm sure at least in the beginning it had to have been painful. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe he was just so stubborn. You hear about those old men, like our grandfather, who is yep. very stubborn and has at least nine lives that he's gone through at this point, that <laughs> he has no business being alive um, yep. from all the stuff he's gone through. But old men, they can be so stubborn. They just, they don't think, oh, it's it's not real. It's not happening. I'm not really in pain. <laughs> so any other nursing stories or any other like crazy like body horror things we could throw out or should we dive into the movies i think i think we've covered some of the good stuff if i think of anything i'll let you know okay yeah and maybe some of these final destination kills curve off into into more er stories let's let's pivot now to the movies so we have five final destination movies here for better or worse, yeah. Um, I'm gonna lead this part off by saying I don't think these are good movies. Um, the acting is whoa. The the scripts painful, and maybe the worst sin of them all. Because like we're horror movie fans, we can we can look past bad acting, we can look bad past bad scripts. Like we've seen the worst of it. Um, the, the worst part of it to me, though, is these kills try so hard to be the cornerstones of the movie, to be the crazy things that make you jump out of your seat and go, oh, and for the most part, in my mind, at least, they are just so spectacularly impossible that it takes that edge off of them. Like there is no sense of realism surrounding these, but I know that I have that impression as a total layman with no medical back knowledge, no sense of what's plausible or not plausible besides hitting myself in the finger with a hammer and seeing, Oh, that bruised. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on this episode to talk me through like what actually is possible here. And, we're going to, I'm sure we'll talk about the storylines a little bit here, but the heavy emphasis of this episode is just ridiculous kills. Um, and we're going to go through Final Destination, and then for listeners, um, there's a bonus kill at the end of the episode. I'm not going to spoil the movie it's from or anything like that until we get there, so you get rewarded for listening through potentially 30 <laughs> minutes of Final Destination nonsense. Um, but it's a movie that I know horror Twitter likes, horror Instagram likes. Um, it is the most insane kill I think I've ever seen. Um, it's going to be a good time. But starting with Final Destination, a uh, basic premise of these movies is that a bunch of stereotype teenagers are in some big event one of them has a premonition that everybody at the event is going to die. So they all leave the event based on the premonition. They cheat death and death is not happy about it. So death comes back and death gets them one by one. The, the deaths as death is coming after them. Deaths as death. That sounds so dumb. But oh well, I've got to say it. The deaths as death is coming after them um, are just crazy so we're gonna start with the first movie we'll build through movie five we've got a couple of kills from each movie that we really want to highlight 
Um, starting with, let me get my show notes back up here. You watched Final Destination 1, and the first kill that kind of jumped out at you that you mentioned to me was the shrapnel from Train Guy. Side note, I know none of these characters' names. I did not want to bother with that, but I think by calling it Shrapnel from Train Guy, anybody that's watched the movie can piece together who that is. But Shrapnel from Train Guy, he gets just absolutely wrecked. He continues to hang out and stand around. I I think the best approach for each of these kills is for me to set the stage with what the kill was and then for you to call it on the bullshit meter and tell us why. Okay. Um, So train goes off. He's full of shrapnel. Where's this lie on the bullshit meter? Plausible, definitely happened, or no way in hell? So this one, they, they get you because you're standing there. You think the one guy that's in the car... That's stuck on the train tracks. You think he's going to get got by the train. Mm-hmm. He miraculously gets out last second. You're like, oh, everything's fine. Then all of a sudden you get this piece of shrapnel that the train runs over and it goes flying and it slices right through this guy's face, like all, yes. all the way through. And so ha- half of his head slides down to the ground and then his body stands there and then it slowly slumps or stumbles i don't know what hits the ground and you're like hold on a minute because no now i would like to preface this whole thing by saying i am by no means a physicist and a lot of this shit (laughs) is just not believable coming from the girl who got a b in high school physics i this is not it still doesn't add up um but I can't really tell where it goes through his head. Obviously, it cuts his brain in half and everything. Yeah. The spinal cord is the really important part here. Because, you know, if people are become paralyzed, it's based off of where their fracture was or where their injury was that affected their spinal cord. Because at different levels in your spine, you it controls, you know, different parts of your body and everything. Okay. So. I can't tell if it goes through the spinal cord. I want to say it might be a little bit too high, but if it if it cut through the spinal cord, I think his entire body would just immediately slump to the ground. I don't think there's any time frame that this guy, this body would be able to stay standing while missing half the brain. Okay, but okay, so he's clearly dead. The the, the yes. shrapnel goes through the head. Is that cut plausible? Like, because this is one of the things that jumps out at me in these movies is we have these pieces of debris fly through somebody's face, for example, and it's a clean cut. I feel like when a piece of shrapnel hits your face, like it would cave in your skull as much as it would cut through it. So am I wrong about that? I no, I think that's true. I don't think it would go all the way through his head unless it was very sharp, very hot and moving very quickly, then maybe. Okay. Maybe? Which this, sh- this shrapnel would have been hot coming straight off the train tracks. It would have been moving fast. It would have been heavy. It might've been sharp. So like plausible. Maybe. Should we call okay. the Mythbusters? <laughs> That's what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't think it would go all the way through his head. I think it would get stuck in his face. Cause another thing with all these kills is that they just completely treat bones as if they are soft tissue. 
No, nobody in these movies cares that bones are so hard. They're so hard. Like they're hard to break. They're hard to slice cleanly. They, ugh, ugh. Anyway, so no, I don't think it would go all the way through his head. I think it would probably get stuck in his face. Either way, would probably still kill him. Yeah. Or leave him very, very maimed. And but no, I don't think it would go all the way through his head. He definitely wouldn't stay standing. Okay. That's just a hard no. Even if it missed the spinal cord. Yeah, yeah. Even if it missed the spinal cord, because the rest of your brain does some really important shit for the rest of your body too. Okay, I, I like that piece of the puzzle with the spinal cord because there's a couple more kills coming up later on that I feel like, based on where it hit that, like they would re- be reacting differently. I also really like the bone comment because I feel like there is one kill in this entire series that recognizes that we have bones in our body um, coming up in the fifth movie. But before we jump all the way up to that, um, we've got one of the most... I, I don't know what to call it. iconic, maybe, uh, jump scares at the end of a horror movie of all time with the bus kill. Um, spoilers, obviously. Um, but uh, I gave the spoiler tag at the beginning of the episode. We're clear. Um, at that very end of Final Destination 1, we think it's over. We think the kids made it. Um, and Terry goes and steps out into the road for a split second, and this bus comes screaming through her. Um, getting hit by a bus will kill you. That That's not really up for discussion here. But you had some insight about this bus and uh, what the bus would have to be doing to actually knock Terry out the way that it did, so... What is implausible about the bus kill? So the bus kill pissed me off. These all pissed me off. Just spoiler <laughs> alert there. They're, they're all very frustrating coming from a is this realistic perspective. I get it's it's good. It's good TV. It's not TV. It's a movie. But, you know. Right. 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 Um, so the bus situation is so frustrating because I think how they – present I can't remember if you actually see her get hit by the bus or if it's just everybody standing around that is suddenly covered in her blood spatter mm-hmm. is how you realize she got hit by a bus but either way first of all they're in like a small town they're standing outside of a coffee shop <laughs> and they're at like a four-way stop I'm sure there was a stop sign there this was a yeah. like massive charter bus going at least 70 miles per hour when the speed limit should have been a solid 20 to 30. Yeah, and just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, there's that 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 pop, and she's splattered everywhere. Which you, people don't pop like blood filled balloons. So that was going to be my follow up question on this one. Was like that's the part that seemed unrealistic to me. Like, okay, maybe okay, this is Final Destination, right? So maybe. Maybe death has gone in and screwed with the bus's brakes. Maybe death has like done something with the gas pedal where it's stuck against the floor now, and it's just it, it is barreling through this town at seventy-five miles an hour. Sure, sure, uh, that that tracks with the rest of these movies. But the pop uh, with blood flying horizontally so that it sprays everyone when her body is being thrown forwards. What kind of force does it take to make a body pop? 
Have you ever seen something pop like that? I've seen bodies pop, and it's typically from gunshot wounds. Specifically, if you're, if, say, say Terry had been shot in the head with a hollow point bullet or like a rifle or something like that in front of these people, then yeah, there would be a pop and there would be brain matter and blood probably on their faces. That's fair. But your body is all, it's like, it's enclosed. So unless you have something that's going to go into the body, through the body, and out the body to cause, it has to go in and then it has to cause a damage inside. And then there has to be another opening for whatever, the blood in this case, to come out the other side. Pop through. Right. Yeah. So, so that's what a hollow point bullet does, right? Like it enters a body and then as soon as a hollow point bullet enters a body, it's supposed to blow up and expand uh, and just throw shit everywhere. So yes, that makes sense. A hollow point bullet hits you in the skull and it explodes and it creates this opening for brain matter or guts or whatever else to go flying out the other side. Right. Buses don't enter the body. Buses don't explode once they've entered the body. Right. Um, so. For my money, it feels like the blood would be covering the front of the bus, probably because yeah. um, But but the the pop and the spray of everybody else, like maybe not. Right. It could. It would probably get on the bus. It would definitely cause a lot of internal bleeding. It's just a matter of where's where is the opening coming from. If somebody gets hit by a bus at that speed, yes, there's going to be a lot of blood involved. But is it going to? How far away were they even standing? Like they were at least twenty feet away. That's a yeah. They were long on the distance. other side of the curb. They were still pretty much at the tables, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I don't know. Yes, she would. She would die. She would be. She'd be done for. But yeah, the blood splatter is the my qualm with that kill. Okay. All right. So let's move on to number two then. Um, so two is noteworthy because this is the one movie that you sent me a note of. Well, okay. Let me read your entire note here because this is great. Um, that bitch with the short dark hair in Tuckar, not the T E H in Tuckar, having her head thrown back into the broken pipe by the airbag was so good. Honestly loved that one. Why? <laughs> Why is that the kill that stands out to you as like, you know what, that one, that one's good. <laughs> I'm down with this. So I appreciated that one because at least I feel like they kind of set you up for it when she didn't die in the initial accident. The pipe came through the headrest. It's all, you know, spiky at the end of it because it's broken. And you're like, oh man, that was close. And then you're thinking, okay, well, they're probably not going to have that happen and not end up using that pipe against her. You know what I mean? And I appreciated that it was a little bit of a jump scare because it happened so quick, which was nice. But also I, it was, I felt like that was realistic because based off of like the length of the pipe that they had going through the headrest and it was right in the middle. And most of the scene, she has her head off to the side beside the pipe, knowing that the pipe is there and she's, she is conscious that there is this danger by her face, but she thinks the danger is over because these firemen are now here to get her out of the, or the paramedics or whoever they were, were there to get her out of the car. 
And then I don't remember what happened. They bumped something and all of a sudden her head is in front of the pipe, but she's leaned forward kind of talking to them. And all of a sudden the airbag goes off and airbags. I'm fortunate enough to never have been in a car accident, but of course we see patients all the time who have been in them and airbags are very forceful. They happen super quick because the whole point is to prevent your body from going forward and hitting the steering wheel, the windshield, whatever is around you. So they push you back so that you're kind of sandwiched between the seat and the airbags to cushion you from being bounced around a whole bunch. So it comes out, it hits her in the face super hard, and it throws her back into the headrest as it's supposed to do. Right. There just isn't supposed to be a pipe back there. (laughs) And it goes through probably the soft part of like at the base of her skull. And I was like, damn, that that's where all the goods are. Like that would probably be an instant death right there. Yeah. I felt like that was just very realistic. It was nice. It was refreshing to see a a good realistic kill. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So for for all of our comments earlier about bones being freaking hard and like difficult to punch through, you've got a good point here. Like there is that soft spot on the back of your skull um, where a pipe could potentially shove through, like even in a situation like this. Um, I also just from a writing standpoint, love the irony of the life saving device being the thing that kills her. Um, that's that's wonderful and great um but yeah okay um this is also making me think i want to once we're done with all of these come back to the question of which kill would you have preferred like if you have to die by one of these which one are you picking um so the insta kill pipe through the back of the head seems like a pretty like quick for you at least painless way to go also side note i'm not threatening my sister here i'm not gonna like okay (laughs) um you know just asking asking the tough questions moving on before i make more of an ass of myself (laughs) we've got eugene and clear's deaths so bringing the final destination like original saga to a close um something that i should probably go on to a tangent about here is um Final Destination with the first movie, it doesn't bring everything full circle to a close with Final Destination 2. We've got a couple of survivors from the first movie still hanging around. It feels like a good continuation of that first story. But then Final Destination 2 slams the book shut on them. Like anybody that made it through F1 is uh, here we go. Um, So especially Eugene and Clear. First comment. Clear. Whatever writer came up with that name can go straight to hell because it's so close to Claire that you want to call her Claire the whole time. But it's no, no, no. It's clear. Like, what? Stop. Okay. Anyhow, um, they enter a hospital at the end of Final Destination 2. Perfect. You work in hospitals. You are very aware of hospitals. You know exactly all the ways that this movie got this whole scene wrong. So from the moment they walk in the hospital, what are the red flags here for like, that's not how that works. 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 Uh, What are the things you want to point out to listeners? Like, hell no. (laughs) Truly everything. (laughs) I cannot stand watching anything that is set in a hospital because at least with this 
you know, it's not really realistic, but like medical movies, medical shows, nothing is accurate. Nothing is ever accurate. And it's so infuriating to watch because that's all my mind can focus on is that's not accurate. That's not accurate. That wouldn't happen. Oh my gosh, that person, you can't shock on a systole. What are you doing? (laughs) And man, it's just painful. But the whole thing, I knew the minute they walked into that hospital, I was like, we got to turn this off. I can't do it. (laughs) But I knew we had to finish the movie. So we kept going. Just the whole thing. I couldn't even really understand what they were trying to do, like with the machines that they have and then the tubes going where they're going and people are awake, but they should be sedated. These people should be sedated. What is going on? And it's just hard to watch. I think they had something happen. Like the one of the carts starts to move mm-hmm. and it's pulling on wires and tubes, which first of all, why is it moving? It's It should yep. be a flat floor or the lock should be on the wheels. And that's not accurate. It's moving. It's pulling on stuff. There are alarms going off. Where's the nurse? Why is nobody going into the room? That's not accurate. This person is, I'm sure, in ICU because they're intubated. I mean, those people are kept an eye on like a hawk. They're like not left alone because they're critical patients. And that was not accurate. And then oxygen is leaking from the wall, I think. Which, no, 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 there was a tank. There was a big, there was a big ass tank was that it a tank? got a hole in it somehow and was leaking. I guess oxygen, even though it never even says that. It's just some big tank leaking shit. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So many safety, so many safety issues. Jaco would be up the wall about all this <laughs> stuff. That hospital would be closed immediately and burned to the ground. Yep. Just it was hard to watch. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't even want to dig into it any deeper than that because it's just like even as a random person with no experience in a hospital, like you're watching this scene and like I don't. I genuinely don't know what they were trying to suggest was happening um, with with the tanks and with anything else. The one thing that made sense because it's it's kind of a staple. Um, is the electrical outlet sparking? Like water got into it or something like that, and the electric the electrical socket sparked, which caused everything else to catch fire. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Electrical mm-hmm. sockets spark sometimes when you like shove water in them. Um, but everything else was just like this is so out of context that I don't I don't get it. I think um, they had just decided they wanted a hospital kill in the movie, an and explosion. they were. Yes, they were like, we're going to make this work. How do we add an explosion? Yeah. Um, Okay, so then Final Destination 3. I know that I started this whole thing with a I don't like the Final Destination movies comment. I think Final Destination 3 is the one on the menu that I enjoy a little bit. Um, It's got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is phenomenal in other things, and she's fine here. Um, It's got a writing room that is recognizing the absurdity of what's going on a little bit. and They keep making little winks and nods to the meta commentary of it. Uh, We've got a couple of characters walking around at one point that are talking about like, well, 
people cheat death every day. Uh, people have near-death experiences that they walk away from, and death doesn't come from come for them. So, what's different for us? Like little things like that built into this movie that really made it feel fleshed out and a little bit intentional uh, in a franchise that's about to go completely off the fucking rails. Um, but all of that said. Um, this one has a little bit of a special place in my heart. Um, also, this movie came out as a choose-your-own-adventure, which, especially for the time that it came out, was just really wild and revolutionary. I remember sitting around at my friend Tommy Bass's house. Hi, Tommy. Tommy. Um, <laughs> in his attic, watching this movie and like going back and forth, like, do we get him back on the roller coaster or not? Like, of course we put him back on the roller coaster. We want to watch him die. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of cool too. But then, okay, let's get into the deaths here. So stage is set with the movie. Um, Again, we're coming back. It's a whole fresh new cast of characters. This time it's revolving around a roller coaster crash that they that they narrowly avoid. Um, the, the death that I pulled out of this one, um, because it seemed it seemed to dance right there on the realm of plausibility, was the nail gun death scene. So I've worked in construction before. I have worked with a nail gun repeatedly and like shit in my basement. Um, I know that the nail gun doesn't actually function the way that it does in the movie. You cannot just hit the top of a nail gun and have a nail go flying out across the room to impale somebody. Let's table that aspect of it for a second. Let's say hypothetically death found some way to lock down the safety mechanism. It's going to do this shooting thing. And these nails are flying across the room, impaling Redhead. From a nursing standpoint, if we're picking up from there, how many nails is it going to take to kill a person? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, how long are these fucking nails? They show them going from the back through the front of the face. It's just... (laughs) So I don't know what kind of projects they're doing, but... I don't know. I think this would depend on where the nails go through because I meant to look her up, but there is that, oh, that woman. Wow. I don't have any details on this. There was a woman 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. She was in government and she was shot in the head. Like, I think she was at the grocery store. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Back in 2011, this woman, Gabrielle Giffords, was shot in the head. And it was a through and through. So it went in and it went out. And um, she survived and is, I want to say, doing really well. Like, I don't think, I mean, you can't get shot through the head and not have lasting repercussions, I'm sure. But... She survived and is alive to tell the tale today. Um, So you can sustain an injury like that and survive. There's also a guy that everybody who took AP psychology in high school learned about. Uh This man, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I do. This man in the, I don't know, 17, 1800s, whatever, was working on a railroad and somehow took a pipe through the head 
and survived. And everybody, the only thing people said was, man, he, he was such an asshole after that accident. But that was it. Yeah. He, because I guess the part of his brain that it went through was like the personality part of his brain. I don't, I don't know, but you can sustain injuries like that and survive and be okay. So, but if you're going to take 10 nails to the head or however many that, that character took, you're probably done for because at that point you're more than likely going to hit something essential and die. Sure. So I, I put a picture of nail gun girl's death in the chat uh, let's pull this up for just a second and let's 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 pick out the kill shot here because she's got one going through her cheek that probably missed brain tissue but would have like gone through her mouth she's got one right under her nose that again probably misses brain tissue and it's just like below all of it um i don't know which of those nails is standing out to you mm. i i want to say you're right the three lower ones Looks like she has one in each cheek and one just below her nose, mm-hmm. which honestly, if these are all coming from the back of the head, those are going in lower, like closer to the spinal cord. So that could be significant, not necessarily where they're coming out, but where they're going in. Which could paralyze her, but not kill her. It could. Well, I'm learning. So that high no. up, <laughs> <laughs> the higher up you go in your spinal cord, the the more it controls. So when you get to like your cervical spine up in the top, so essentially your neck um, or at the very, very base of your skull, like at the very beginning of it, um, you've got your spinal cord controls the essential things like breathing and things along those lines because it's all a level throughout your body. So if if it's a low injury, it's going to be really important to your legs, but it's not necessarily going to affect the upper part of your body. But the higher up you go, it does affect, you know, necessary vital things for you to be able to, okay. vital. That's the word I was looking for. Wow. Couldn't think <laughs> of the word vital. Amazing. But yeah. You're here to know things and I'm here to supply words. That's, that <laughs> is my gift as, as an author to you. <laughs> but I don't know. There's one coming out of her eye and then one coming out of her forehead so I feel like altogether, those would do enough damage. Okay. I don't know. All right, so it's a collective damage sort of a thing and not just uh, that one's the killer. Yeah, but I don't know if any of those would kill her on the spot either. Oh, okay. That's an angle I hadn't even thought about. Because some of these kills are obvious that they would just die right away, but some of them, I'm like, well, you're, you're fucked. But you could, if you were brought to a hospital fast enough where they would be able to do something about it, maybe you would live. But all these people in the kills, they have them die instantly. So we're saying this is like, we could get her to a hospital and like potentially she walks away from this one or, you know, potentially away from this one. I don't know after five, is that five nails? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. After five nails, your odds with every nail go down of you okay. being able to survive, obviously. But I think, I don't know, there's there's potential there. If she just got really lucky with where all those nails went, there's potential. Because those other people, I mean, they took, they took hits that should have ended it all too, but they made it through. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. All right. Let's let's power on. Uh, to I hate this movie so much um, for existing, for the way they titled it, for everything. Um, Final Destination Four, or Final Destination Reboot, or Final Destination Remake, or who the hell knows? Um, the Final Destination, which isn't. Side note. Right. Um, the Final Destination has some of the dumbest kills of the whole series somehow. So the the ones that stand out to me, or I, I guess there, there's one that stood out to me and one that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about. I want to talk about the chain link fence kill. There is a guy standing around at a mechanic shop who gets hit in the chest by a canister of CO2 or you know something that's gone zipping around. And the canister throws him backwards with so much force, supposedly, that he goes through a chain link fence. And this is not through a chain link fence the way that you normally would, where you hit the chain link fence and the chain link fence breaks and it just lacerates your body all over the place. He goes through it in that he goes through it. The chain link fence stays totally erect the whole time doesn't even seem to move and his meat just gets shoved through this thing like it's a meat processor (laughs) and comes dripping out the backside in hundreds of pieces walk me through all the ways that this is stupid (laughs) well whoever built that chain link fence deserves a really big raise Because you're right. How would that not just hit the ground? I mean, we would climb fences when we were kids and they would sway. Yeah. You know, I just, you're right. I hadn't even thought about the fact that the chain link fence stays standing throughout that. But that is really impressive. Yeah. Um, Again, with the bones are very hard. I, there's just... There's just no way. It's just not going to happen. Sure, he can get thrown into the fence. He would probably have some, I wouldn't even say lacerations. Like his, his, if he hits it hard enough, if you hit something hard enough onto your skin, your skin is going to split. You know, if you, if a kid smacks their head on a table or something like that, the table's not a sharp edge necessarily, but it's probably going to split their forehead. Okay. Which is fine. But with something like that, when your whole body is hitting one surface, one semi-flat surface at the same time, there's no one specific point of impact, like a point on a kid's forehead hitting one specific point on a table. That makes sense. There's a lot of impact there at that one spot. So it's going to split because that's a lot of pressure for the skin to take. This guy, it's a big surface area for his body and a big surface area for the fence. He's going to hit it. Honestly, he would probably hit it, fall down and be winded. Like this wouldn't even be that traumatic. He'd have to catch his breath and then he'd stand up and be like, damn. I don't, it seems like the, like the polar opposite of the bus kill. Like the bus is going so, so, so fast that it's going to kill them on impact, whatever. This canister flying around, there's no way a canister gets so much speed and so much force behind it that it throws somebody's body back this way. 
Like you were saying, B in uh, high school physics. I think I made a C in high school physics, but we're on the same <laughs> wavelength here. Like, even I know that ain't happening. Yeah. Um, and, okay, so you're saying even if it does manage to throw him back some somehow, like, he's going to take the fence down first. And even if the fence stays up, he just bounces off of it. And he's go- he's going to walk away from this one. Yeah, he's going to walk away from this one. He might have okay. some bruises. He'll, yeah, there's, it's not even like, man, they could have tried harder. They should have had him bounce off the fence and then had something land on him or something or have the canister come knock his head off or whatever. Right. It, it feels very similar to the shrapnel in the car one um, that you were talking about. Like they set, this could have been a really good setup for a kill. And then they come back with a surprise at the end, mm-hmm. but instead they just like stopped. <laughs> like right. now we'll just, we'll just be done here. Um, so then your kill from this movie that you picked out was uh, quote unquote, Ugh. another kill that really pissed me off. The girlfriend at the end where her foot goes into the escalator gears and blood comes out of her mouth. Those things aren't connected. This is another tried and true staple of the horror genre. It doesn't matter where you get hit. You're going to spit up blood. Right. Um, So talk us through this. Help help save some future horror writer from making this mistake. Where can you get hit that you actually vomit blood? So in you think about your GI tract. It's from your mouth to your rectum. Anywhere in there, if you take a big hit to the abdomen, that would make sense. You know, if you're going to cause a patient or, um, God, not a patient, a character. Oh my (laughs) gosh, we just got dark here. Oh no. Death Hospital, book one. Lord, where everything's (laughs) medically accurate. That would probably be a really boring book. Which oh, is maybe man. why we just throw it away at the beginning, right? Like the uh, medically accurate wouldn't tell a good story. So let's just have oxygen tanks blowing up. <laughs> right. And disclaimer here towards the end of the podcast, obviously things don't have to be medically accurate. That takes out, it would take out a lot of the fun if everything was spot on medically, because that's not the point you're not writing. Now, if you're writing a medical movie or a medical book, be fucking accurate. Anyway, um, but yeah, so if in this kill, her foot goes into the gears and I think it only gets up to like her ankle and all of a sudden blood is pouring out of her mouth. Like if she had somehow been folded in half and her abdomen or if they had waited until her abdomen was in it being crushed. Okay, sure. But you have to have blood in your GI tract in order for it to come out of your mouth. There's no, your foot is not connected to your mouth. So, so the writers probably should have been a little bit more like classic horror writer and sent her in ass first. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. Where were the perverts on this script? Okay. All right. So cardiovascular system doesn't feed immediately in the gastro system in any way, shape or form, right? Well, yeah, I mean, but that I'm really thinking like ortho, you know, they're talking about your cardiovascular system is all over your body, which is fine. But yeah, those just, (laughs) which is fine, 
which is fine. We'll accept it. It's allowed it. to do that. <laughs> it's allowed. We'll we'll give it a pass. But yeah, that one just I was like, come on, we couldn't have tried any harder. But I get. Oh, it I was- said cardiovascular, and I was trying to think of circulatory. Right? Am I right here? I mean, that or- there's the same. That's- Damn it. No, they add up. That's the same thing. Cardiovascular, okay. circulatory. Okay. A plus. Woo! Yay me. <laughs> Write a letter to my high school anatomy teacher and get them to bump my grade here post facto. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but let's dive into the final, final destination movie. And please, God, let it end here. Um, <laughs> final Destination 5. There's a lot going on with this movie that redeems it a little bit. Um, I feel similar to this movie as I do for three in that it feels like they tried again. It feels like they threw away that everything that didn't work in Final Destination 4. There was an attempt here uh, to genuinely revive this franchise. Again, this is at least the fourth spoiler tag in this in this episode, but I thought that the twist at the end was really intelligent where uh, the main characters have been talking this whole movie about how if they can just survive all of this crap, they're going to get on. uh, They're going to go to France and they're just going to go live over there. They're going to study abroad over there or whatever it is. They're going to France. They're going to get away from all this hoopla. And you as the audience kind of have that as their sail to the sunset ending that they're they're trying for and they make it. Despite the fact that this boyfriend is awful to his girlfriend the entire movie, like he gaslights the shit out of her. They are not a good couple. Regardless, um, they make it to the end. They're going to go to France. Yay for them. I'm Hopefully she midsummers his ass and like leaves him <laughs> while they're over there. But, you know, they're going to go and maybe they'll be happy. Um, and they get on this plane. And all of a sudden, at the front of the plane, you see all this commotion, and somebody wants to get off the flight, and you realize, oh shit, they brought it back to the beginning. This is the beginning of the first movie. This is the flight to France that's going to crash. And it was just actually this moment of like creative intelligence that caught me off guard at this point in the series. Um, <laughs> but it was great. I appreciated that so much. Um, just this idea that we're going to bring it back to the beginning, and it was, it was just it was a cool way to close a loop. And I like that a lot. Um, also from the kill standpoint, they scaled back the absurdity a little bit to give us like a, a whiff of the air of plausibility. Um, and I think that comes through best in the gymnastics kill. I do not do broken bones. Well, um anytime there is a bone breaking in any sort of a semi-realistic way i have a hard time with it that is the thing that like makes me queasy makes me consider walking away from stuff you can cut at each other as much as you want in a horror movie i'm here for it have fun can do like creepy supernatural things in the background popping up and skittering across the ceiling and whatever else i'm here for it but the second you snap a bone and it pops through the skin, I'm going to need a moment. <laughs> um, and the gymnastics kill in Final Destination 5 fucking nailed that for me. They finally recognize that a human being has bones again. Um, Chickadee is working on the parallel bars, which, side note, 
with a year of gymnastics under my belt, I finally know what I'm talking about. You are the Uh, expert. (laughs) She is on the parallel bars and she comes flipping off the end. Um, and the, the bar snaps a little bit and it throws her routine off just enough that she is not going to stick this landing. But she breaks when she hits the ground. Like, everything in her body shatters. And it is, like, it is this plausible concept brought to its 11th degree. For your money, when you watch her hit that ground... Any chance that that happens? Uh, so, I mean, sure, she's probably going to break some bones flipping from that height and she was landing. like ten feet up, maybe. She was like ten feet up, but then she also like didn't land anywhere near the bars, and I'm not sure how she managed to throw herself across the gym. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, she. Especially, I can't tell how she lands because it all just kind of happens so fast and she crumbles into a backwards folded mass of bones and blood. And of course, there's blood pouring out of her mouth because there has to be. Right. Um, It's a horror movie. (laughs) Of course. And she could, I mean, she could definitely break some bones. If she lands on her her head or her neck, sure, she's going to break her spine and... It's going to affect her spinal cord. Sure, she's going to be just a probably a limp mass of body on the floor. But the bones sticking out, you there have been injuries. I mean, you can have an open fracture is when you break a bone and it comes through the skin, which okay. is probably your least favorite thing. I hate but it so much. <laughs> it can happen from even low impact things. There's a clip if you really want to watch it i don't know who it is there's a basketball player who is in the middle of a game and oh my gosh yep i know which one yeah. you're talking about uh give yeah. me a second you finish the story and i'll come up with the name <laughs> but it can happen i mean you can have a low impact that guy just takes a step and all of a sudden it's popping through his his leg so that could happen but like her entire body i think they've got her bones in her legs sticking out and her arms maybe even her spine i don't know but it's a very bloody bone protruding situation for her to be in for you know in theory a short fall only 10 feet people fall from much taller heights sometimes but i can see if she hit just right it could kill her if we're talking about her upper spine okay but most likely, no. Okay, so the basketball player, this is not the person I was thinking of, but it keeps saying Kevin Ware has the worst leg injury in the NBA history. Maybe. And just looking at the pictures that are popping up, yep. <laughs> uh, oh, Gordon Hayward is the one I was thinking of from Boston. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, Gordon, Gordon Hayward's foot is on sideways kevin ware has that exposed fracture that you were talking about oh god i don't want to look at that picture anymore (laughs) holy crap okay that wasn't even the one i was thinking of that was worse than gordon hayward oh (laughs) yeah rough okay so arguably not as bad as that hockey player who took a skate to the throat the goalie malarchuk 
Yes. Ah. ah, Thrasher's fan. I've got, I, I remember things. Yeah, no. Um, we could have a whole episode about gruesome sports injuries. Probably, um, yeah. Starting with Kevin Ware and Malarchik, but that, I guess that would be a little bit on topic and a little bit off topic. Whatever. <laughs> Do we feel like we have wrapped up Final Destination well enough? Are there any kills that we skipped past? I, and side note, I know we skipped past some of the big ones, like the the log truck kill. Hmm. Mm. Um, I know we skipped past some of the big ones. I, I tried to avoid the kills that clearly would have killed you mm-hmm. and gone for the kills that there was maybe something a little bit more nuanced and interesting to talk about. But yeah, otherwise, other Final I, Destination kills that we have close to our hearts. I think we have given Final Destination more than enough attention, more <laughs> okay. attention than it deserves. <laughs> okay, on to the bonus kill. Yes. All right. Let's do the bonus kill. So setting the stage here. I love this movie as much as I hated Final Destination, the Final Destination movies. And like, let, let's get this right. It's kind of a love-hate relationship. Like they're so bad that they're kind of good, mm-hmm. um, but they're bad. Um, this movie is like a... Uh, uh, a textbook example of a director just looking around and constantly saying, let's take it a step farther. Um, yeah, this is a little messed up. Yeah, this is a little gross. Let's go. Let's go another step farther. Anybody got an idea? What else can we pile on here? Bigger, 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 bigger. Terrifier 2. Oh my God, this movie is an experience. Um, and now that I've said the title, everybody that's seen this movie immediately knows what kill we're about to talk about. Because, like, mwah, Damien Leone, bless you for this. Um, we're going to the bedroom scene. So, um, in the movie, uh, the main character uh, has a friend named Allie who is kind of in the peripherals uh for the first half of the movie crosses paths with art the clown nothing really happening there um there's it doesn't seem like there's any reason for art to pursue this chick and to follow her home and to fucking massacre the her the way that he does but he does he follows her home she's a little bit rude to him at the door so she locks the door and then she comes down one night and sees him like in her kitchen just like screwing around as art the clown does he chases her up to the bedroom and what follows is the most excessive kill I have ever seen in any horror movie. Oh my gosh. Um, as I was watching it, there were at least 376 times that I said, okay, she's dead now. And then Art the Clown comes back in with something else in his hands and she wakes up screaming again. And it's just like, all right, we're still going. Um, So I have a clip of the movie pulled up here and I'm going to walk us through this bit by bit. And I just want you from a trauma nurse's perspective to tell me like, where does the plausibility end? Where is she actually dead? Or if we want to get really gruesome with this, could she still push on? (laughs) Like, Let's put her through the ringer again. So, the clip is starting. Art is in the bedroom. He is approaching her. 
he what does he go for first he goes for some scissors first all right uh he's knocked her down she's climbing up uh oh he stabbed her in the eye already darn it Mm -hmm. forgot about that one there was a there was a scalpel across the eye so scalpel across the eye does it kill you no what's gonna happen here (laughs) so scalpel across the eye you're your face has a lot of blood vessels in it, specifically your scalp, which we'll get to in a second, but <laughs> that bleeds a lot. So there's there's automatically going to be some good bleeding there. Yeah, but she she would live. That would probably hurt a lot, but she's um, alive. This is one of those things that I've always kind of wondered with the eyeball. When it gets punctured, does it just pop? We're, we're back to things popping again. Yay. <laughs> um, when an eye gets gets split, does it just leak out? Does it pop? Like what uh, What does an eyeball do? To be fair, I've, I have only seen a handful of eye injuries. I don't want to say it pops. There's definitely a lot of fluid in there. So taking a scalpel through the eye, I think it would stay mostly intact, but I'm sure it would be like leaking. Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's going to get so much worse before it gets better. All right. Now (laughs) he's got the scissors. He's coming at her from behind. He is cutting into her scalp. We've got a, we got a good old school scalping happening. Um, Yep. So we know from history, like people can survive scalpings, but uh, she's already been stabbed in the eye. She's had her eye slit. So eye slit plus scalping. We still conscious. I would say she's, Probably still conscious. Not if she deals with blood the way that some people deal with blood. She would have passed out the second he (laughs) took a scalpel to her eye. But she would definitely be bleeding a lot here. Like we said earlier, scalps bleed a lot. So we're we're building up on the blood loss here. But I think she she could still be conscious at this point. Okay. All right. So she's missing the top of her head. Where is he going next? Oh, yep, yep. That's the back. He is mm-hmm. uh, taken off the back. He is now like stabbing into her back. He is ripping her back off and he just snapped her arm in half. So we kind of got three things happening almost simultaneously here. Where's she at now? So the stabbing, honestly, I missed that he was ripping off her back skin. Missed that detail. That <laughs> is going to bleed too. So blood loss. So is even that more. possible though? Is it possible to just like get a cut across somebody's back and like pull the skin up? I wouldn't think so. I mean, maybe okay. it'd be very hard to do though. Cause you've got all sorts of connective tissue there. The scalp at least is you don't have a whole lot going on. Cause you've got your scalp and like a little bit of fatty tissue, I guess, and some thin muscles and then your bone, but the back, you've just got so much more going on. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd say pr- Probably not likely, or it would take a whole lot of work. It wouldn't be a quick thing. Um, But the stabs to the back, so he's stabbing her like in her torso on the backside. Mm -hmm. And you've got your lungs back there. Those are pretty important. Yeah, Um, (laughs) moderately. (laughs) (laughs) But you can have when you have these sacs around your lungs, basically, that your lungs live in, and that's when they expand and compress. If you puncture that sac, you can have either a pneumothorax or a hemothorax or a pneumohemothorax. So you can either have air go into the that sac or blood or both. 
Um, and when that happens, it takes up the space in the sac. So then your lung can't inflate the way it needs to, which if he's stabbing deep enough, then that can, that can happen. Um, so I would suspect that that's probably happening with her. So her breathing would be affected at that point too. Um, which they seem to get right. Cause she's like freaking out and gasping for breath for the rest of everything. That's true. That's true. Um, the arm. What? He, <laughs> he takes her arm and he like bends it backwards. Like you and I used to do to each other when we were wrestling as children. I still have both of my arms. So yep. I'm going to go no on that one. He just, he takes her arm, he bends it backwards, and then he like, he could break her arm for sure. That's fine. I'm down for yep. that. But him just bending it back and forth a couple of times and then all of a sudden ripping it off. <laughs> no. He could, he could pull her elbow out of the socket or her shoulder out of the socket. That would be fine too. But just to have everything disconnect, like your skin and your bone and your muscles and everything in there, no. But it plays really well on camera. <laughs> it does play really well on camera. And say he were able to somehow, say he had a machete with him and he did take her arm off. Okay. Again, that's going to be a lot of blood loss. So we're getting to the point of where all of her other injuries are still going to be bleeding. She's... She's losing consciousness at this point, if she hasn't already. Okay. So, if she's losing consciousness at this point, then Art's next move actually makes a lot of sense, maybe. Um, he goes downstairs, and we oh. think, you know, it's 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 over, right? It's over. She's dead. He's going to walk away. Like, there is no chance in hell that he's, oh, shit, he's back. Uh, and he brought the bleach, and he brought salt. Um, so he approaches this like massive gaping wound in her back and just starts pouring bleach and salt on it. Maybe it's to wake her up. Maybe it's to cauterize the wound. I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> um, what you got for us, nurse? Um, I got nothing. I have never <laughs> tried these things before, nor will I. This is some sadistic shit right here. I don't know. I don't know what that would do. I mean, the bleach, she has all these open wounds. If you're getting bleach and open wounds, I would think it, I mean, it's going to go into your bloodstream. And then at this point though, the amount of time it would take for him to go downstairs and find this stuff and come back upstairs, like she can't be conscious anymore. She's, there's not enough blood left in her body to get to her brain to be able to keep her awake. So I think at this point, it's all just... So this is where she's gone. She's gone some sometime where when he's downstairs. I would think so. And then maybe she would be able to not wake up, but like withdraw or at least make a noise against him pouring this stuff on her. But there would be no active fight <laughs> left in her okay. to do anything about the bleach or the salt. Okay. Well, so at, th at that point, we're done, right? Like, this has got to be the end of it. There can't be anything else. Yeah. No. Except for no. Here we go. There's one more thing. Um, <laughs> so the mom comes home, and the mom starts watching a movie, and she's, she hears a noise upstairs, and she goes upstairs to investigate. And holy shit, Art has her back on the bed. He has mutilated her legs somehow now, and we didn't even get to watch that, but like it, it looks like 
chunks have been taken out of them with, like you said, maybe a machete or something like that. Um, and he's sitting here literally just poking the stubby end of what used to be her leg uh, and just screwing with this dead corpse. And the mom walks in and starts screaming and the mom's freaking out and we're all freaking out. <laughs> and then uh, Allie wakes up again and starts screaming. And there's this amazing moment and like the most subtle, great acting David Howard Thornton does. Like, even Art sitting there with his finger in the stump of this girl's leg, like, you see his eyes jump open a little bit when she gasps again, like, she's still here? And then it turns into Glee, like, hey, I can kill her a little bit more. And then he keeps going after her. But anyhow, from a realism standpoint, no chance she pops back up there? No chance. No No chance. chance. Okay. (laughs) No chance. We sound like the two biggest buzzkills, like, ever. I know. <laughs> this has been a whole episode of just tearing movies down. Uh, we've got we to gotta have another follow-up episode at some point where we're just talking up the plausibility of something. Like, yes, we'll, like, we'll oh, they did such a good next. job. Yeah, that was amazing. That's exactly <laughs> how ribs would come flying out of your chest. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that gets us through everything we were going to talk about today. So, I don't know. Any more thoughts here? No, I think we covered just about everything. All right. If you, uh, I'm going to have two kind of wrap up questions for you personally then. So if you were to give one piece of advice for horror writers, horror creatives that were trying to keep their things in the realm of plausibility, what is the biggest thing that you have seen us like? foobarring through these movies what is the what is the one piece of advice that you think could maybe try to like save us from some of these mistakes i don't know because i feel like being medically accurate in this realm like we're saying is not fun it's kind of a buzzkill um but i guess like if that's your goal and you're really trying to make it realistic if if that's your goal in your writing then I would say just do the tiniest bit of research. Not not even, I mean, I don't know. If you've got a kill in mind that you're working towards and you think, oh, I don't know. If it's obvious that, oh, that's going to kill somebody or if you think, oh, this, we'll have this happen and then they'll, they'll muster up the strength and they'll keep going. Just the tiniest bit of research, if that's your goal. But also, does it need to be anybody's goal? No. Probably not, because it's not going to be as entertaining. Yeah, I I feel like we've got two good examples here. Like Final Destination, they did not keep it realistic, and they also didn't churn out great movies. Um, so like maybe a little realism would have helped. But we've also got Terrifier Two, where like not realistic at all. But I don't know. I feel like Terrifier Two is a lot more intentionally um, bullshit <laughs> than yeah. Final Destination is. Like terrifier 2 knew what it was doing and knew it was taking things one step too far um and and chose to go there on purpose whereas final destination was just kind of like ah this will look cool for a split second Uh, i don't know Mm -hmm. um okay so i usually end these episodes second question here i usually end these episodes with some sort of a question for our creative like where can we find you on social media what are you working on next that sort of stuff just kind of giving them a chance to 
plug themselves for future stuff. For you, we've got to spin this a little bit. So first question, do you want anybody contacting you after hearing this episode? <laughs> Not necessarily. I don't really know what I would have to offer. <laughs> well, so so here's my thought. Uh, I know a lot of horror people that want to try to scale their damage. They want to try to uh, keep things within the realm of plausibility, at least. Um, and maybe they just don't know exactly which way a body breaks or exactly how much blood a person can lose or exactly whatever else. And they don't want that. They don't want uh, a mistake like that to take their readers out of the experience or their viewers out of the experience or whatever. I was almost like thinking we could pitch you to the horror community as like a, like a nurse on call. Like <laughs> if you've got a, if you've got a ridiculous horror based question, here's your resource. Email her at blah, 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 blah. Any interest? <laughs> I mean, if, if people are looking for a professional opinion from the <laughs> medical world, then I get if they want to reach out, if they're trying to be accurate about something and they have a question, I'm happy to answer. Please, God, nobody call me and ask me what they should do about their rash or <laughs> what medicine they should be taking for X, Y, and Z. Just go to your primary care doctor if you have one. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, if people are looking for advice of what's realistic or what's not as far as kills go in their whatever it is their movie, their book, their show, their whatever they do, then that would be fine. I don't even know what my name is on Twitter. I follow yeah, you. You're at Caroline underscore Brown, but they're like, I think the Am E I? might be a three or something weird like that. I don't know. I'll tag Listen. you with everything. I'll, <laughs> I was going to say. That, that'll be how they can find you. If you um, go to any of your social media and you look in the followers and type in Caroline, <laughs> that's me on top. that's me <laughs> um yeah okay cool so with that in mind thank you so much for coming on the episode this was fun i feel like i successfully kept you away from telling any embarrassing stories about me the whole time so that was perfect i know i was bamboozled <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that just about does it for this episode uh to everybody at home thank you for listening to the killer mediums podcast please don't forget to like subscribe review or what do we want to say here uh throw the streaming service of your choice through a chain link fence with no regard to bone matter <laughs> um, and we'll we'll see you next time i'm william sterling stay spooky Coroners tied bells to everybody in the morgue, so if they heard a ting, they knew somebody down there wasn't quite ready to go.